broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Roughness. You got to score points to win. You can't win without scoring points. Touchdown Raiders! He went right through the line and gives Vegas a touchdown to extend the lead. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. And buckle up, Raider Nation. Here we go on this Friday. Excited about the next three hours with you. Demon Cotton in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in the home studio, and all you got to do is buckle up. No doubt about it. Buckle up. We're coming in strong. We're coming in hot today. Uh, very excited about the opportunity, as I mentioned. Always like to interact with you as well. Of course, you know the Raider Nation listener line is 702-365-9200 and our don'tbebroke.com text line is 69187, keyword r and We do expect it to be very active throughout the course of the show today. This is Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Demond Cotton and your boy Q. Got a lot of good guests that we got to get to on today's show. Uh, a lot of news and notes to get to, including the fact that the Raiders signed another player in free agency as defensive tackle John Jenkins. He's been in the league 10-plus years. Uh, he's not a guy that's going to get after the quarterback. I think he has two-and-a-half career sacks. He's a guy that's going to stop the run. He's going to guy that's going to do his best Andrew Billings impersonation, right? Andrew Billings went off to Chicago. Uh, Jerry Tillery stayed with the Raiders. And so the Raiders needed somebody that could be that run stuffer, that space eater that Lincoln Kennedy likes to call him. That's exactly who John Jenkins is going to be. So, uh, again, nothing uh, flashy. Not a guy that all of a sudden is going to be the difference maker on the defensive side of things for the silver and black, but just another player added to the mix. And, of course, they have a lot of guys coming in visiting. There's a lot of question marks. Do the Raiders need to have all these guys? Like, there's wide receivers that are visiting. And, well, there's too many wide receivers. Look, the thing about it is, Raider Nation, Dave Ziegler, Champ Kelly and company are doing their very best job to put 90 players into training camp when that time comes. And we did find out the offseason workout dates today. We'll go over that a little bit later on the show. But they're doing their very best to put 90 guys into training camp. And you know what happens when you have a lot of really good players in camp and you know you got to go from 90 to 53? You're going to get your best competition day in and day out. And then they're going to be able to field the best 53 players. So just because you might look at something and see an overload of this certain position or that certain position or not enough of this position right now, don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> Time is going to come. It will all work itself out. They're, they're going to find out who fits the best, who doesn't fit the best, who works well here, who works well there, and then they'll make their final decisions. And then that's when you should feel pretty good about the – or you hope to feel really good about the end result. There's been too many times that the Raiders have gone into camp. There's been too many times that the Raiders, in my opinion, have gone into the season and that guy is out there playing because he has to, right? Well, no, he's not that great, but he's the best they got, right? I mean, that's, that's a problem. That's not what you want. You do not want that as a team when you're trying to put it together. Well, he's just all right, right? I mean, how many times, and I know I've been guilty of this too, I've been rooting for a guy who just really wasn't that good. But you know what? He sure tried hard, and he was the best that they had at that position, so go give it. You know what I mean? I mean, that's what made people and fans fall in love with guys like um, Andre Holmes and, you know, guys like that, you know, guys that uh, weren't necessarily great players. And I don't mean to disrespect Andre Holmes, but that's just the first one that comes to my mind because so many fans used to be a big fan of his. You know why? Because he was the best that they had at the time, right? So right now what the Raiders and, and, and Dave Ziegler and company are trying to do is put really talented cats into, into, onto this roster as they could put 90 guys there right now. And then when push comes to shove, when training camp gets all wrapped up, 
hopefully, if everything goes the way that they expect it to, they have the best 53 guys coming out of camp. And, oh, by the way, there'll probably be some injuries as well, so you still want to have great competition. When it comes to receivers, I do think that it's something about this offense that maybe it's a little bit tricky. I don't know if you remember Demarcus Robinson from last year. Yep. He's a guy that I thought was going to make the team. He ended up going to Baltimore, had 48 receptions and two touchdowns. But I think it is a little bit tricky when people say, oh, they keep bringing in receivers to talk to them. I do think that the play receiver in this offense, you do need that extra little bit of, hey, preparedness and readiness to see if you can play it because like Devontae Adams said it's like learning a different language it's the hardest math class you can think of so if that's the best receiver in the game saying it you can't just be an any old slouch and play receiver in this in this system no not at all and the latest wide receiver to visit with the silver and black doesn't mean he's going to sign is DeAndre Carter uh, DeAndre Carter played with the Chargers last year and it's funny as soon as I saw that note from our good friend Jordan Schultz he actually uh, sent that message to me and he does a really good job of kind of sending us messages whenever he finds out information about something that has to do with the Raiders. As soon as I saw that message, I realized, oh, DeAndre Carter, that's the guy who really uh, went to work on the Raiders in week one of the 2022 season. So the guy could play. Uh, he's, a, he's not a slouch by any means. So uh, if the Raiders were to decide that they wanted to add him to the roster as well, so be it. Again, I can't wait till training camp till we're out at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center and we actually get to see these guys battle it out. Because there's so many times, again, and I know I've only covered, what, two training camps now, but I know there's way too many times that I've seen the Raiders go to camp and say, oh, yeah, that guy's going to make the roster, that guy's going to make the roster, that guy's going to make the roster, and, well, that guy will probably make the roster because he has to. I mean, it's just there hasn't been enough deep competition, and that's what Dave Ziegler and company are trying to do is put together competition. But we'll deep dive into what the Raiders are doing, what they're not doing, and like I said, we'll hear from you throughout the course of the show at 702-365-9200 or don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187 keyword R&R. But let's get to the guest that we have. I pride ourselves in our guest lineup that we have each and every day. We try to attack the Raiders from every single angle. We also try to attack big things that are going on in sports because at the end of the day, we are a sports station. So um, as much as we love football, and I do, please believe that, I also like to deep dive into other sports as well, especially if it's something big. So coming up on the show today, as a matter of fact, in about 25 minutes, Vic Tafer from The Athletic, he'll join us. Him and Tashawn Reed, his partner there at The Athletic, they put together a big board 2.0 what the Raiders should be looking for in the draft. You know, the players that they believe are the most intriguing for the silver and black as they're trying to put this roster together, particularly on the defensive side of things. So we'll talk to them about some of the players on their big board, what they think, uh, you know, these guys could do for the Raiders, who who and how they could benefit the Raiders in that uh, Patrick Graham defense, and also just talk to them about the players that they have brought in, the guys that they have filled the holes, like the Marcus Epps, you know, Duke Shelley that the Raiders signed yesterday, uh, John Jacobs, uh, yeah, John Jacobs that they signed earlier today, guys like that. So we'll kind of scatter shoot all things Raiders when it comes to Vic Tafer coming up at 2.30. And then Ted Wynn from The Athletic. It's funny, back-to-back athletic guys are going to join us at 3 o'clock. And DeMond, you actually saw uh, this piece that, that Ted put out and brought it to my attention. And he really, his article that he put out in The Athletic, if you haven't seen it right now, is about making sense of what the Raiders are doing in free agency. So that, I mean, that, DeMond, I don't know about you, well, obviously it caught your attention because you brought it to my attention. But when I saw that, that really intrigued me because I know a lot of Raider Nation is wondering, well, what are they doing? What's the rhyme or reason why they're bringing in the guys that they're bringing in? One of the big things to me that stood out was when he talked about how Darren Waller was used in the offense. And we'll get into the more of that for him and later. But for me, it's like, okay, they want a specific tight end. Yeah. Now, I know that people always like to say, hey, they're guys, they're guys. But sometimes the guys that were on this roster aren't the fits. And no one wants to hear that. But listening to well, reading Ted's words, it made sense of, hey, it just you're not a good fit for what this offense wants to do. Right. 
Exactly. So Ted Wynn will join us at 3 o'clock from The Athletic to break down his latest piece that he put out about making sense of what the Raiders have done so far in free agency. And I think that's going to be good for everybody to hear. So make sure uh, you're locked and loaded at 3 o'clock for Ted to join the show. Then at 3.30, Jason Horowitz, obviously the the voice of the Silver and Black Raiders play-by-play. He'll join the show. We'll talk a little Silver and Black with him, but we'll really deep dive into some March Madness. (laughs) And I don't know about you, but, man, that Sweet 16 action, I will say – I like to uh, admit I'll be the first one to come to the front of the pulpit and say my bracket is done. D-U-N-N. Done. It doesn't stand a chance. Arizona dipped out in the first round. UCLA dropped to Gonzaga last night. And, man, what a game. What a game. What a performance. I mean, I I was watching the Sweet 16, monitoring it with K-State and Michigan State, and I thought, wow, how is something going to top this game? Oh. Hold on, Q. Just wait. Gonzaga and UCLA did that. My man Vegas Jess was texting me back and forth. He had UCLA moving on as well, just like I did. I had UCLA winning the whole damn thing, so that's why I say mine is done. But uh, they dropped to Gonzaga. What a game. They came back when I thought that they were done, had a chance to win it. They went up by a point after a big-time three-pointer. And then the hometown kid from Liberty High School comes up. And it's funny, I thought of you, DeMond, because you talked about Gonzaga. You talked about was Timmy enough to be able to take him over the top. And Adam Hill, when we had him on, was like, wait, hold on. Hold on. Don't discount the Las Vegas kid. Don't don't discount the Las Vegas native. And the Las Vegas native is the one who steps up, hits the big shot, and uh, it propels Gonzaga to the Elite Eight. That was big time. Oh, it was so big time. And also, it, it was reminiscent of Villanova when they beat North Carolina in the championship. I don't know, basketball teams. Scout that play. Guard that inbounder as soon as he inbounds it because that little trail, right. that trail. I don't he, understand. He, he inbounds it. He trails a little bit right back to him. Pop, open three. I don't understand, and it's funny, and I know this is two different levels of college hoops, but uh, my son's team, Western Oregon, their their last game that they played, or right before they got into their tournament, uh, and again, this is uh, D2 basketball. This is not obviously D1, but he's, he's playing, and it's their last regular season game. They're up by one with 14 seconds, and they all back up, play defense beyond, beyond the, the free throw line, and I'm like, what are you doing? And I don't, I'm not the guy to second-guess the coach. Like, I'm not going to hit the coach and be like, hey, coach, what were you thinking? But I did hit my son. I was like, what were you guys what, – what was, what was the thought behind that? You got 14 seconds. Make these guys work for it, right? Why would you not press them? And so when I saw, when I saw UCLA not put any pressure on the ball, ball handler from Gonzaga, I was like, eh, I don't know if I like this idea. And then bada-boom, bada-bing, there they go. So story of, uh, of my life, play defense. Don't 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 be ashamed to press. Don't allow them to have just an open trot down the lane. And oh, by the way, we're going to toss it back for a three point. I mean, that was just it seemed too easy. And coach even admitted it after the game. He's like, we work on that in practice all the time. Why would you make it that easy? Don't get me on my soapbox. Uh, I don't. I didn't mean to get you started. I, mean, I but know. Villanova they beat up. Carolina in it. That's that's like the college basketball playoff. They're not going to be expecting this one. Man, I'm telling you, that's why Tark, shout out to Jerry Tarkanian, was so great because he used to make those, those boys play uh, defense, make them really earn it, trying to get some shots off, man. That, that wouldn't have happened if Tark was on the call. But there you go. There's that. So Jason Horowitz will join us at 3.30. We'll talk a little March Madness. Uh, he's on the call for Westwood One. He's doing a lot of the uh, in-studio stuff. So we'll get him in a little break and, and catch up with Jason Horowitz. That'll be at 3.30. At 4 o'clock, Mike Clay from ESPN. He'll take us inside the analytics side of things as he has a new 
guide out or a new kind of ranking out for all the teams across the league. And, Damon, this is something uh, the analytics side of things are always kind of up your alley more than mine. I mean, I'm just one of those guys that I go by the eye test. I don't really do the math problems. But this is absolutely the math problems, the analytics side of things. And what stood out to me the most is not where the Raiders are ranked offensively, uh, according to Mike Clay, which I believe was 18th, but the defense, 31st. There's only 32 teams in the league. So you know that if they're ranked 31st, that's not good, which, again, goes back to the point of the emphasis needs to be on the defense when it comes to the draft, which we obviously know it will be. Yeah, but, hey, they totaled out at 25th. I mean, it's better than uh, 30. It's better than 30. Yeah, man, you can't be ranked 31st in defense, right? <laughs> but also, I know that, you, like you said, I'm more on the analytical side. Anybody tweets out a graph or a chart of any kind, I'm going to at least look it over. Right. Or I just got to see, what are these numbers here? What's the formula that he has? So, you know, it'll be fun to talk to him about it. But, yeah, I'm a sucker. I read it, and I was like, hey, I got to reach out to him. Right, exactly. And that's cool. I'm, I'm okay with that because there's a lot of people that are big analytic fans. I'm not. Like, I, I don't really need all that. But I understand that it's part of the game. And so I think we, we do need to hear about it. I just don't deep dive into it all the time where a lot of folks, that's like the end all be all. That's all they do. I like to be open to a little bit of everything. Right? Let's bring some analytics into it. Let's bring some common sense into it. Let's bring some eyeball test into it. You know, just a little bit of everything I think goes a long way. So I'm excited to talk to Mike Clay coming up at 4 o'clock and then 4.30. We'll close things out with our guest lineup, Carolina Teague. She'll join us from ESPN 97.5. That's there in Houston and also League of Her Own podcast. And she had an opportunity to talk to Holly Holm. And uh, Holly's going to be on the UFC fight night. That's going to be a, a heck of an event that's going on there in San Antonio. And she had a really good interview with Holly. And Holly's getting up there, Damon. She ain't no spring chicken. You know, but she's still a hell of a fighter. And so I thought that the uh, the one-on-one -on -one interview that she had with her was really good and takes us inside the fight game, which I know you're an expert in. But a little UFC fight night action. What are you expecting from Holly Holm, who's what, 41 now? Wow. I, man, that's that's a shocker to me because I do know that Holly's up there in age. But, yeah, yeah she, I don't know how much. I know she just signed a new deal with the UFC, yeah. but I don't know how many fights left she can have in her because I'm not saying she's out of her prom. She's still number three ranked in the Bantamweight division. But, man, yeah, like for her to still be competing at such a high level, the number three ranked woman in the company at her division, that's incredible that she's fighting. And also, she's the favorite. Right, exactly. Look, the thing about it is, I say she ain't no spring chicken. I mean for fighting. I mean, look, you know, I, I make no bones about it. I'm, hey, I'm almost 47, right? But I ain't, I ain't up there taking a bunch of ass whoopings either, <laughs> right? I mean, I'm not, I'm not up there fighting. So <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't know, I don't know how much I could take if I was just in the ring or the octagon fighting folks at that age, you know. So I, I got to take it easy, right? I mean, so there's some days that I struggle to get out of bed just because I'm tired, let alone because I just went like three rounds, uh, you know toe-to-toe -to -toe with someone uh, in the octagon. So I got to give Holly Holm a lot of credit, but uh, we'll talk to Carolina T coming up at 4.30 about that interview and, of course, UFC fight night. So that's the guest lineup that we have for you. Vic Tafer in about 15 minutes from The Athletic. Ted Wynn at 3. Jason Horowitz at 3.30. Mike Clay from ESPN at 4. And we'll close things out with Carolina Teague. We might get someone from the XFL as well. I'm not too sure. They'll be in action tomorrow if we do. We'll find somewhere to squeeze them in. You know how we roll here on a Friday on Red Nation Radio. 920. So with that being said, with the guest lineup in your ear hole, let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. 
So now it's basically two weeks are in the books when it comes to free agency, and the draft is just a little bit over a month away. That first weekend, or that last week, excuse me, in April, it'll be April 27th, kicking off round one in Kansas City. So I want to get the the temperature of Raider Nation right now after two weeks. Because I know at one point, Damon, Raider Nation was furious about the moves that had been going on or the, or the lack of moves, the moves that weren't effective enough. But I feel like the temperature is starting to change. And I don't know if it's just me, but I feel like the temperature is starting to change where we're getting more calls, we're getting more texts with people that are feeling a little bit more positive about what Dave Ziegler and company are trying to do. So I just want to know. I want to hear from you, Raider Nation. What are your thoughts right now as two weeks are in the books for free agency? You know that all the big names, for the most part, are pretty much off the books. I think Bobby Wagner's still out there. OBJ is still out there. I mean, there's a couple names, but uh, nobody that's real, you know, like I said, big-time difference makers. Jadavion Clowney's still out there, but, I mean, again, his biggest hit was in college and not in in, in the NFL, so there's that. Uh, so, yeah, just where are you right now with the direction that you see the team going as they're piecing it together, piecing it together, piecing it together? A lot of free agents they've brought in. That's the thing about it. It's not like they haven't been active. They just haven't been active with a lot of names that a lot of people are familiar with. There's so many times that I tweet out, oh, the Raiders made it official with this person, and I get that emoji back. Who? 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 And that's okay. That's all right to admit that you didn't know who it was. I mean, look, I wasn't familiar with Duke Shelley. I had no idea who Duke Shelley was when the Raiders signed him, and then all of a sudden I saw the reaction from Viking fans, and I was like, oh, wait, hold on. This might be someone that I have to pay attention to because they're kind of angry that he's not returning. So that's what happens sometimes. You know, they recently brought in O.J. Howard, safety Jaquan Johnson, defensive lineman Jordan Willis, wide receiver Cam Sims, cornerback David Long Jr. Uh, I just mentioned Duke Shelley. Austin Hooper has been signed into the mix. John Jenkins is in the mix. Of course, they've signed a bunch of their own guys as well. I mean, they've added quite a bit of guys to the roster. So Raider Nation, let's let's hear it, man. 702-365-9200. Now that it is, you know, the second week is in the books for the most part, who knows what's going to happen over the weekend. How are you feeling right now about the direction, the state of the team right now as they're a little bit out uh, from the draft, about a month away, a little over a month away from the start of the draft? Again, 702-365-9200 and our don'tbebroke.com text sign is 69187, keyword R&R. Remember, Vic Tafer from The Athletic will join us at 2.30. But let's go out to the phone lines. And, uh, Damon, who we got up first? 918 Raider. 918 Raider, what up? Welcome to the show. What's up, Q? What's up, Damon? How are you guys? Uh, we're chilling, man. We're good. Hell yeah, man. Uh, man, I feel good uh, kind of as they're like piecing along uh, this puzzle, uh, especially on the defensive side, a lot of uh, depth. Um, but one thing I wanted to touch on that I haven't heard anything about uh, was the Stidham signing. Like mm-hmm. everybody's talking about uh, how well Jimmy G knows uh, this system. Well, the dude that has been teaching everybody on our offense just got traded to our biggest rival. And, and like, does Jimmy G – or does Stidham know more of our system? You know, like, that can't – that's a huge thing for our rival to have our, you know, a guy that's been teaching our offense for the last season. So, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm really stoked, but also there's, like, uh, everybody's playing three-dimensional chess at the same time. So, um, it's just really interesting. Uh, I'm, and even on the offensive side, uh, the pieces that they've been able to pull in, like the, the tight ends and stuff, I'm excited, but – Still, uh, we'll see see how it goes. I just wanted to throw that in there and see what you thought of it, too. I appreciate yeah. it, man. 
Yeah, I appreciate the call. Good stuff. And that actually, uh, on the first day of the tampering period, that was like the first piece of news Raiders-related that came down on the very first day of the tampering period. Not a free agency, but a tampering. And I'll tell you what, and it's so funny that you bring that up. I've been on two different radio shows today doing interviews about that very subject, Jared Stidham, and him not being a Raider and now him being in Denver. And one was with a Denver radio station that uh, their guys are actually here in town. They're covering some March Madness. And so they kept saying, Q, make this make sense. And I'll tell you what, it was a shock. It was a huge shock to me that Jared Stidham did not resign with the Silver and Black. And I do think that that was a big deal. And it's very rare that we're going to be sitting here talking about a backup quarterback and how big of a deal him going to another team is. But uh, as far as, you know, who's who knows the system better, I would say Stidham knows Josh McDaniel's system better than Jimmy G. Not saying Jimmy G can't get up to speed pretty quickly, but, I mean, look, Jared Stidham's been in that system since he got into the league. The Raiders traded for him for a reason. He did exactly what you said. He started to teach the system to the guys after the Raiders made the trade for him and brought him in. He was in training camp working hard, and I remember staying on the sideline with Vinny, and I was like, man, Stidham could sling it, right? I mean, and I've known Stidham since he was at Stephenville High School back in Texas. The guy's always been prepared to be an NFL quarterback. And I told everyone, DeMond, as you know, anyone who would listen, I don't care where I screamed it from the mountaintop, he is most valuable to the Raiders and nobody else in the NFL. Only for me to find out on the very first day of free agent tampering period, he's on his way to Denver. That was a big shock for me. It really was. And I think it really makes and puts a little bit of emphasis on who is going to be the official backup quarterback for the Silver and Black in 2023 because I think that's a very important position, especially with Jimmy G because, again, just because he's the Raiders quarterback, I'm going to support him as Raider Nation should, but I'm also not going to close my eyes to the fact that he's been injured a lot, and that was the biggest hang-up with him. So I believe that that backup quarterback position is going to be very important, and Jared Stidham is a big loss. For me, I think Jared Stidham, when people like to say, hey, why did this player leave here? Was it the money, the quality of living? Does he not like his former teammates? For me, I think it was all about the opportunity to play. What's the easiest path to being a starter on this yeah, team? Right. And I do think that for the Raiders, he sees the writing on the wall. All right, they're probably going to bring in Jimmy G. He probably knew that a little bit before we did. Yeah, I'm sure they told him that. Yeah, and yeah. then, hey, everybody's saying that they're going to be drafting a rookie quarterback. We don't know first round or second round. He's like, hey, so Jimmy G, the quarterback of the future, Russell Wilson stunk it up last year. If right. he's bad again this year or, or unfortunately gets injured, Jared Stidham, maybe those two games were enough for Sean Payton. And I think he also mentioned that, hey, you can also get to learn under Sean Payton. That's right. going to help him grow as a player as well. So for me, sometimes it's like not, not much so much why did the Raiders let him get away. I think it was more of a Jared Stidham move of I like that situation in Denver better. Right. I mean, look, at the end of the day, he wants to play, right? I mean, he, he again, I told you he's been trying to get into the NFL and preparing to be an NFL quarterback since he was in high school. That's one of the things like we all knew he was going to be an NFL quarterback. So he wants to get on the field. He got a little taste of it with those two games that he played at the end of the season for the Raiders. And, look, the the situation is it's funny. I was on with Orlando Franklin, uh, who's a longtime offensive lineman in the league, uh, and he played in Denver. And he, he said straight up, he was like, Q, I'll tell you this, if, if Russell Wilson doesn't cut it with Sean Payton, Jared Stidham could be the starting quarterback. And there he goes, right to what you just said, Damon. That's the opportunity. You know, he saw the opportunity with Denver. It was like, you know what? Russell Wilson might not get his mojo back. And if he doesn't get that mojo back, he could slide right into that position also and be the guy. And as you said, he already knew the plan here with the Raiders. He already knows, like, okay, Jimmy G's going to come in. He's going to be the guy. They're going to draft someone, and he'll most likely be, you know, the, the second priority. And he's probably looking like there might be games I don't even suit out. 
So, I mean, yeah, to your point, DeMond, I think that's exactly why. I don't think it had anything to do with he didn't want to be here. Uh, he, I, I know he loved all the teammates just from the interaction that I would see him and them in the locker room, and the teammates loved him. All the guys that played with him, they all, you know, interacted with him in a great way in the locker room. So I just think it was about opportunity. Uh, it was about money. I think he's got, what, a two-year, $10 million deal. It's the most money that he's ever made. I think that that's a, a, a great opportunity for him. But I still, with that being said, think it's a big loss for the Silver and Black. Who's up next, Damon? JoJo Raider. JoJo. What's up, JoJo? Welcome to the show. What up? What up, Q? Chilling, man. Chilling. Hey, listen, listen. Let me I, I give you, let me give you a little food for thought about uh, Jimmy G. Okay. You know Jimmy G. What? Who was it, one of his favorite targets on the San Francisco Forty Niners? Uh, uh, George Kittle. Exactly. So we got rid of Waller. Maybe that played a little small part in Jimmy G's thing about I need a tight end that's not hurt and could be there. But that goes to say, you know. You ask him as a quarterback also also has to be there and not hurt too. So maybe he's looking. Maybe they're looking for the you know maybe the Georgia tight end. That oh. would be a great pickup. Yeah, it would. <laughs> yes, it would. So, I mean, you get the Georgia tight end, and he and he gets the Jimmy G uh, George Kittle hookup. You know, like you know, like that going again. We we might have something there. Yeah, no doubt. And thank you for the call, JoJo. Appreciate you, man. And, yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, the tight end position is one of uh, Jimmy G's favorite targets, and I have no problem with that. The thing about Jimmy G, you're not going to see a bunch of deep balls. I know Philip Dorsett's been added to the mix, and he's a speedster. You're not going to see a bunch of deep balls in 2023. You're going to see the ball get out of his hand quickly, get it to the guys that can make plays with the the ball in their hand, like a Devontae Adams, like a Jacoby Myers. You know, you'll see the the ball get to maybe uh, O.J. Howard, Austin Hooper, whoever the tight end is, maybe, maybe Darnell Washington. From, uh, from Georgia if they're able to get that guy. I think he goes in the first round, though, so I think it'll be kind of tough. But whoever, you know, the playmaker's hands, right, Hunter Renfro, guys like that, get it out of their hand and let them go to work afterwards. And that's actually something, it's funny, Devontae Adams did his whole career with Aaron Rodgers. He, didn't, he wasn't really stretching the field. He stretched the field last season more than he has throughout the course of his, his career. Like, he had never done as many deep balls as he had last year. They just kind of schemed him open, and uh, he was able to, you know, with the way he runs routes. But he's been, throughout the course of his career, he's been that guy that just, boom, beats you at the line of scrimmage, gets open, and gets the ball in his hands, and he goes to work because he's a magician with that ball in his hands. But he also showed that he has that uh, big play ability where he can get open any time he wants and uh, shake a, a defender off his backside and, and have a deep ball uh, or two or five or ten throwing his way like he did in 2022. Devontae Adams is the all-around dude, right? There's really nothing he can't do, but he's also not a guy that's going to just blaze it right down the field. But, man, he ain't got to blaze it when you're Devontae Adams. So, Raider Nation, we want to hear from you. Hit us up on the don'tbebroke.com text line. We do have a guest coming up in a matter of seconds. Uh, so, 69187, keyword r and I just want to take the temperature, Raider Nation, on this Friday. I'm looking outside my window here at the house, and, man, the temperature outside looks good. But what's the temperature inside the hearts of Raider Nation after two weeks of free agency? Let us know about it. 69187, keyword r and This is Raider Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Question I threw out there on the don'tbebroke.com text line is 69187, keyword R&R. 
Just taking the temperature of Raider Nation after two weeks of free agency. Where are you at right now with this team as Dave Ziegler and company are trying to put it together? They signed a bunch of guys, not a bunch of guys with big-time names, but they signed a bunch of guys and look like that they're addressing some holes as they prepare for the upcoming draft at the end of April. So you can hit us up and let us know at 69187, keyword R&R. We got a text from the 201 Q&D. I don't understand how we expect to get better on defense when all we sign in is a bunch of tryhards. That's from the 201. And joining us now on the phone lines from The Athletic is our good friend Vic Tafer. And, Vic, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. I do appreciate you, my man. And uh, you heard the text. He said that all the Raiders are doing are signing a bunch of tryhards. How are they going to get better on defense? What are you seeing from the, the signings, especially on the defensive side of things, that the Raiders have done so far? Yeah, it definitely tells me they're going to draft a lot of uh, defensive players. And I know it's, um, I think uh, it might be the right way to go because we kind of build for the future. I think people who, uh, I think, have the high hopes this year's going to be a great year as far as wins and losses in the playoff chase. I'm not sure that's the right way to look at things. I think these guys are taking a step back as far as Dave Ziegler and Justin Daniels. And kind of like they mentioned the process and all this stuff. But I do think it's, it's not really a win now kind of uh, mandate when they're trying to build like the program up and, and hopefully have something that's sustainable. Uh, in the future. What did you think of the Duke Shelley signing? Because I'll, I'll be honest with you, I, I wasn't even aware Duke Shelley was not on my radar at all, but then I saw the reaction from Vikings fans and thought, oh, okay, well, hold on, maybe I need to do a little bit more research. What do you think that he might be at five foot nine in a boundary corner? I had the same reaction. I was like, huh. Then I watched the, I watched the highlights. I'm like, oh, this guy's pretty good. Now, of course, these are his best plays, but um, you know, he might be a, a rich man for Meek Robertson. I don't know if that's saying a lot, but uh, <laughs> he definitely has some, has some game. He has some, some dog to him. I like his tenacity. I guess he played outside last year and did okay there. He's not just a, solely a slot guy. So, um, clearly not a number one type corner. I think, but as far as a guy who gives you a guy who can play and helps your depth, I think it's a, I'm sure he didn't get a lot of money, so I'm sure it's fine. But to me, there's still a huge need for a number one corner. The guys that added all kind of in the two to four range. They need a guy in the draft that I think can be a, a top guy. Do you think that Nate Hobbs is best outside, or do you think he needs to go back to the slot where he originally played? I think he should go back to the slot. I think Nate is a guy who, again, he has a lot of injuries last year. It's hard to kind of judge him too harshly in last year. But I think that's kind of bad. I think that's safe to say. But I think he's a, clearly a guy who you want in defense. He brings a lot in terms of tenacity. He's a very smart player, heads up, knows what's going on, and can read defenses. But I think the reason we saw him you know, not be drafted high is because the athletic traits you want in a top cornerback just aren't there. He's not super fast, not super twitchy. So I think he's definitely a guy who plays better than his skill set or his athletic ability. But to count on him to do a lot more than maybe be a good slot guy, maybe ask him too much. Vic Tafer is our guest from The Athletic here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. My man DeMond's got one for you. When it comes to the draft with the Raiders, like you said, it looks like they're more trying to build up a program rather than win now. So with that being said, does it almost make sense that they have to take a quarterback in the first round, or do they have that flexibility to, Jay, just take the best defensive player available and still continue to build? Yeah, I think that the signing of Jimmy G, I think, gives them some flexibility because you're paying the guy, you know, with a few million guaranteed. So I think he's holding the guy this year and probably next. So I think you don't have to rush. Like, if the guy is there... Uh, at seven, but the problem is all these top guys will be gone by seven. So you got to trade up, which I'm not sure is worth it in terms of giving up draft capital. So I think ideally now at this point you wait and see if there's a guy you want, maybe around two or three, a guy you can build with. If not, then attack the young quarterback need next year. But I'm not sure there's a huge uh, urgency now like there was because I think Jimmy G buys you some time. It can be competitive with Jimmy G and wait for the guy at a different point. 
right now where we stand today on March 24th, I know it can change with the draft, but do you think that the additions that they've made on offense, that they're slightly better or just about the same as last year so far? I think it's pretty close to similar. I mean, I mean, I think um, in terms of Derek Carr and Jimmy G, I think Derek's got a arm talent, but Jimmy G's obviously a better fit with McDaniel's system, so that's probably a wash. I think Ben Waller has all the huge upside and playmaking ability, but he's also had an injury issue. So I admire the guy who McDaniel's knows well. So that might be a little closer to a wash, not I mean, a little bit of a downgrade. But I just think across the board, they haven't really made huge improvements. I think um, what happens with I'm still not sure Hunter Renfro is going to be there at the beginning of next year. We'll see what happens with him. But um, you just see these guys getting more of their guys in place, like more of the hates the Patriot way. But it's, it's clearly the case. They want guys who know their system and are comfortable in their system. So I think you still see more of a roster makeover going forward. What was your thinking, when, or not your thinking, but what were your thoughts when you saw Jared Stidham uh, leave the Raiders and head to Denver uh, after the Raiders traded for him and, and brought him in and he actually got a couple starts last season? Yeah, so I'm surprised because you thought that it was the obvious guy we want to bring back. He didn't get a lot of money. I think they, in terms of what, two years for eight, nine million. I think the Raiders kind of lowballed him a little bit. They kind of gave him half an amount in terms mm-hmm. of their offer. So and clearly they thought the market may not be there for him. But, um, yeah, Sean Payton liked what we saw him last year those two games. I think he gives Sean Payton uh, him a backup plan. If he can't fix Russell Wilson, then he can kind of turn to young guys see what he can do. So I was a little surprised that I thought it was a knowing that Jared knows the system so well and he played well most three games last year, I thought he wouldn't be there. expensive to bring back, but um, yeah, the Broncos, you know, they, they kind of pushed him off, off the Raiders. Well, how, how much does that make a, a, I guess, priority, and that's weird to say in March, but how much of a priority is it now for the Raiders to go and get a serviceable back, a backup because you know that Jimmy G has injury history? Right, the name I keep hearing is I think Brian Hoyer is the guy that they want. I think he got cut by the Patriots. I think he might... He might sit out of here. He's not in a rush to play, but I get talking to him and other guys, that, you know, veteran guys who are out there still. So you definitely need a veteran guy. So I think they're probably going to add a veteran guy and a rookie probably in his draft. So I've seen adding two more quarterbacks uh, to go with Jimmy G. Vic Tavers, our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Go ahead, DeMond. Vic, I know it's a long shot, but I've at least got to ask you, how much closer is Tom Brady to being a Raider now <laughs> after the news yesterday that he's got the minority stake in the Aces? trolling us, huh? You're trolling us. He's across the street, right? So I was just closer. He's at the Aces game. So it's like, I was, what, six blocks away from the stadium? So if Jimmy G goes down, he can call over time. He can run over to the stadium. But um, you never know a time, man. I know he sounds like he's happy to retire and for his kids. He's got the Aces. But uh, who knows? If someone got hurt, he had an opportunity to jump, to jump in there. He would do it. But I don't think so. But, again, it's funny that Mark Davis got his guy. just not quite the way he wanted to get him. And I got to circle back to the draft one more time because the Raiders, they did take Bryce Young out to dinner. I mean, come on. I mean, that means something <laughs> when they take you out to dinner. You're at least on the radar. So do you think that maybe they could move up, maybe even three? Do you, not so much of what they would have to give up, but do you think they would? Yeah, I have, I have no idea what that meant. I, was, I thought that was kind of odd because I, mean, I guess you're hoping that if, uh, if he falls to three, then you trap the three again if that happens because um, clearly the top two teams – Again, quarterbacks. I'm not sure. I mean, so if one of those teams decides, you know, Richardson over Bryce Young and you know, C.J. Stroud, and maybe he falls at three, which I still think is a long shot, but they really got trapped at three for Bryce Young. I mean, I guess. I mean, obviously they convinced Mark Davis that it's a possibility because he expensed the, uh, their dinner. So, uh, but whatever. <laughs> I mean, uh, I guess you got to do, you do your homework. You can't uh, leave any phone unturned. So I guess that means you uh, have some bed with, uh, with Bryce Young.
There you go. Well, hey, look, Bryce Young ate at the same steakhouse that we ate at at the Combine. So there's that. So he wasn't with us. <laughs> yeah, it, it really was a good spot. Again, Vic Tafer from The Athletic is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. So I wanted to look at the big board. I took a look at the big board you and Sean put together, and I saw that Jalen Carter, defensive tackle out of Georgia, was the number three guy. What, do you, what are you hearing or what are you feeling that the Raiders' thoughts would be on Jalen Carter if he happened to be there at number seven and they were up? Yeah, it's, I'm sure it's tempting because he's so he's so freaking good. He watched the tape and it's just it's kind of a, it's kind of ridiculous how he throws guys around. He's quick, he moves, he can move well for a guy his size. He makes plays all the field. So, but I just think based on you know, obviously we'll, we'll play out the legal process. But uh, just the whole situation in Alabama with the, with the car racing and the people who died after what happened with Henry Ruggs here in Vegas, I'm not sure Mike Davis can do that. I think it's too soon for the community and for the Raiders. I know the guy will say whatever, he's over it, and he's a new man. I'm sure he's convinced teams he won't happen again. But to me, just the whole racing thing and someone died, it's too close to home for the Raiders at this point. In my opinion, but you never know. Right. That's the thing. That's what I've been saying, Vic. I mean, look, that was the combine when when the when the news broke and he had to leave the combine and go and, and go to jail and come back. I mean, that was a while back. So teams could find ways to justify it for themselves. But I'm kind of I'm with you when it comes to just here locally, the community. I just think that that'd be a tough pill to swallow. But again, you never know. Number two on your guys big board was Christian Gonzalez, the cornerback out of Oregon. I don't know how long it's been since the Raiders have had a real deal shut down corner, but you mentioned that they need to go get one. How well do you see him fitting in with what Patrick Graham wants to do? It's funny. He's great. I mean, you watch the tape. He's you know, obviously fast, twitchy. He can make plays in the ball. He's uh, strong. He did well the combine. But to me, I fell in love with Devon Witherspoon. So to me, okay. that's the guy I want. Uh, I think he's just um, a special kind of player. But obviously, he can also be great. Also, there's some good cornerbacks in this first round. So I think that's the way they go. You really have some good guys to choose from if you're the Raiders and you want to attack that number one corner spot in the draft. We, you know, we had this discussion the other day about who to take at, at number seven, and I just kept saying it doesn't matter what defensive player you take as long as they're the, the highest-ranked defensive player on your board. Like It doesn't matter if it's a corner because they need it, if it's an edge because they need it, if it's a D tackle because they need it. And some people were like, no, you got to just go get a defensive tackle. Vic, I think they got too many holes to just attack one area. Whoever the highest-ranked defender on your team is or on your board, I feel like that that's what the case should be at number seven. How is your philosophy when, when it comes to to drafting and what the Raiders should do at seven. Yeah, I'm with you. There's so few playmakers on this defense on the Raiders that uh, where you take at that spot if it's a defensive player, as long as he has the ability to make plays at the next level, if he has that you know that, that speed and the athletic ability and the instincts, he'll make plays in the NFL, that's the guy you gotta get. You can't no projects, no like long term guys. You need a guy who can step in day one, start for you and make plays, help Help Max Crowds grab a little bit because now a lot of help in that defense for Max. Vic, I've got to ask you. I know you're going to be watching the fight when it happens. Plant Benavidez, who you got? <laughs> I just played down. It was an eight to one on a plant knockout, so that's where I'm going. A plant knockout, eight to one. All right, man. I have to ask you because I know you're, you're you're tapped in in the fight game a little bit, you know. So I just had to get your thoughts yeah, on that. Benavidez is tough, though. I mean, I was hit the long shot. Benavidez is pretty good. Benavidez is something. Uh, I think he's going to win, but that's no fun. I got to listen to the guy. He's got some. He's got some pops. Something could happen, but. Benavidez is the guy who's uh, clearly on his way up in the boxing rank, so I, I could probably see him winning, but that's not, that's not, that's not fun. So I'm going with playing and, and, and 8-1. 
There you go. Trying to trying to pad that pocket a little bit. Well, Vic, as we get out on this one, uh, I'm assuming that you're going to be at the owners' meetings uh, coming up starting on Sunday in Phoenix, Arizona. And if so, what are you looking for? What do you want to hear? What do you want to learn coming out of those meetings? I want to learn about, you know, like you talk about the whole defensive approach, what they're thinking about, why they're uh, getting the impact guys and defense and agency, why they're kind of going with the passwork approach. I want to talk to, ideally, Mark Davis haven't talked to in a long time. I want to hear from Mark Davis about a whole bunch of stuff. So I think, um, that's a chance to get to talk to these guys a little bit and kind of see what they're thinking about things. Absolutely. Well, uh, have safe travels there. I'll see you there. I know Vinny will be there. I'm sure Tashawn will be there as well. You guys travel safe. We'll, we'll catch up in, uh, in Phoenix. Thanks so much for your time, my man. I appreciate you. All right, buddy. See you next week. All right, there he goes. Vic Tafer from The Athletic. Fantastic job again. Him and Tashawn came together on The Athletic and put out a piece right now about uh, the Raiders 2023 NFL Draft Big Board 2.0. 25 targets for the first two rounds that include guys like Will Anderson. He has Will Anderson Jr. at number one, Christian Gonzalez number two, Jalen Carter three, Tyree Wilson, the edge out of Texas Tech at four, and Devon Witherspoon number five, the corner out of Illinois. Man, that he just mentioned and actually likes better than Christian Gonzalez. And really, I, I came away from the combo a big fan of Witherspoon as well. He's a little bit smaller, a little shorter than uh, Christian Gonzalez, but the dude could play. Man, he's, he's very, very physical at the line of scrimmage. Uh, he's got that Illinois attitude, the same one that Nate Hobbs has. Uh, I can see those guys c- c- combining out there, being out there on that defensive backfield. So I uh, definitely encourage you to go check out The Athletic and go check out the big board. 2.0 from Vic Tafer and also to Sean Reed. 244 is the time here on Radio Nation Radio 920. We'll come back, get to some calls and texts, and close out the hour. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Sometimes I am, 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 I don't know why I'm ever shocked at this point. I learn every single day, each and every day, at random times, how young DeMond really is. So we've been giving out a lot of great tickets here on the show because, well, Craig, our promotions director, gets us the best tickets I, I've worked at music stations and haven't had as many great tickets as we have here on the sports station. So what we have is always unheard of. Next week, I'll just give you a little tease. We'll be giving out Depeche Mode tickets. I said that in the commercial break to DeMond. I said, well, I know next week we have Depeche Mode. And I just said it like that. I was just checking to make sure we didn't have anything to give out today. And we don't. I said, hey, I know next week we have Depeche Mode tickets. And DeMond, what was your response? What's Depeche Mode? No, he said, what is the Depeche Mode? And I said, the Depeche Mode is a group, a group that everybody knows. And DeMond said, not me. <laughs> and then I went over, you know, I went over across the hall to get some reconnaissance with our great friend Sylvia from Comp the Rock Station. And she said, oh, they made an impact. You know, they are big culturally. Yeah, they are. And then she said, you think? she said their biggest hit, Personal Jesus. And I said, I only know my own. So, uh, <laughs> great answer, great answer. But uh, now that my radar, <laughs> personal Jesus, I'll uh, I'll give it a I'll give it a listen. Oh man! So Raider Nation, we have the Peshmo tickets to give out next week. I say that to say that, but man, Demond, I just I'm staring at Demond. We're on this little video chat as he's in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, and I'm in the home studio, and I'm just looking at him like, "Are you kidding me, dude?" Like, I'm about to, like, my eyes are about to just put a hole in his chest because I can't believe that he said that. But then again, I got to remember, DeMond definitely was not a, he was not rocking to Depeche Mode back in the day. He, until today, had no idea what a, or what the Depeche Mode was. But 
We're here on Raider Nation Radio 920. It's unnecessary roughness. We want to hear from you. 702-365-9200. Also, our adobebroke.com text sign is 69187, keyword R&R. Want to get your temperature. What's the temperature of Raider Nation right now after two weeks of free agency? You just heard from Vic Tafer, who just flat out said, like, if anyone thought that this season was going to be a, a big winning season, the Raiders were going to do a lot, then he'd, he, he was surprised. He'd be surprised. Like, he, he doesn't expect there to be a whole lot of winning when it comes to the silver and black. And so a lot of that has to do with, you know, the guys that they're signing right now, and, and they're going to go and deep dra- uh, draft a bunch of defensive players, go heavy on the draft. Uh, but that might not gel right away. That might not uh, be, you know, successful for year one. So, you know, what, what's what's the temperature? What is your temperature of the direction that this team is going? What Dave Ziegler and company are trying to do? 69187, keyword R&R. Uh, got a text from the 209. I'm not going to lie, Q, at first I was pissed. But a defense with multiple guys, good at multiple looks, is what we need. And Zig and Josh are doing just that. An offense that can get six here and four there while driving will be awesome to see. So that's from the 209. We appreciate that text. Big Dub Raiders said, hey, Q, to the Stidham talk, he probably wanted to go to more of a known quarterback whisperer than Josh is. Josh is a great offensive mind, but I don't think he's been known as a quarterback whisperer. Go Raiders. And I don't know how much of the quarterback whisperer was part of the conversation. I just think the opportunity was part of the conversation. That was the big big part of it. I think they realized, I think he has the writing on the wall. He knew what was going on as far as what the uh, Raiders' plan was at the quarterback position, knew that Jimmy G was going to be a priority, uh, especially after, you know, Brady retired, Aaron Rodgers was no longer on the table, um, you know, Lamar Jackson was never even a reality, so they knew that, G- or he knew Jimmy G was the guy and that they were going to go into the draft and get somebody, whether that's with their first pick or their last pick. Wherever, they, wherever it happens, they were going to get that guy, so uh, I think he just realized that the opportunity wasn't there, and as Vic pointed out, felt like the Raiders lowballed him, right? I mean, I saw some reports, and I don't know for a fact, but I saw some reports that they were basically trying to give him half the money that Denver gave him. I believe they gave him a two-year deal up, worth up to about $10 million, where the Raiders might have been looking at 4 to $5 million. So, you know, that, that also plays a factor into it. You know, I can, I can be persuaded to go to another team for, you know, uh, $5 million than I was going to get with my original team. I mean, that's just, that's just the reality of it, you know, especially if he doesn't know how much he's going to play and what the opportunity is going to look like. So, uh, Big Dub Raider, thanks so much for that text. I do appreciate you. 702-365-9200. It's the Raider Nation listener line. Who we got up first, Damon? Raider Tone. Raider Tone, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, man, great show like always, man. I really enjoy what you guys do. Hey, uh, my temperature is about um, kind of mild, I guess. I'm, I'm sitting in the norm right now, not overheating yet, not not running cold. So I, I, I kind of want to see, you know, after we break uh, break camp and at the end of August, um, and Vic Tabor, he's great, but I, I, he's a borderline kind of slash Raider hater. He's pretty professional. You guys have him on the show a lot, or I've listened to him for years. But I wanted to ask you guys, um, there, there's a little rumor going on Facebook right now. Might have just popped on a couple hours ago. My DeAndre Hopkins. Mm-hmm. Um, what what would it take to get that? Well, I mean, I wouldn't give up a one. Would you give? I would give up that that first pick in the second round. But um, that right there would make my temperature get hot. I can't wait for the for the draft. I mean, I'm I'm in this from the from the from the cradle to the grave, man. I mean, <laughs> people say we deserve better. They have all these horrible things they say about the coach, which I don't always agree or disagree, but I'm in this for life, man. I'm from the Bay, a Raider fan from Oakland to L.A. and to Vegas now. Um, but what would you think about DeAndre if he showed up over there in L. Davis way over there over there by at, at, at Allegiant, man? What would you guys think if we got that dude, man? 
Uh, thanks for the call, Raider Tone. Appreciate you. Yeah, I mean, that would be phenomenal, right? If you have Devontae Adams and DeAndre Hopkins, I mean, that's that would be nuts. I mean, that, that would be just, oh, you want to talk about a one-two punch. I mean, you're not going to get speedsters on the field. Again, they're not going to, you know, they're not going to win the 100-yard the dash or whatever the, you know, whatever the case may be. But they're, they would be the guys that catch the rock, and they would do some good things with it after the, after the catch. Uh, I don't see that as a reality, uh, DeAndre Hopkins. But what it would take, just to answer your question, it would take at least Hunter Renfro. I promise you that it would take at least Hunter Renfro and 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 probably a little bit more to go ahead and get him. I know he has, I think, a nineteen million dollar uh, base salary right now, so I think it would also take some uh, some reconstructing of his contract. You know, kind of uh, recalculating it. Just uh, it, it would basically do like Brandon Cooks did uh, to get that trade facilitated between the Texans and the Cowboys. He had to restructure his contract. I think DeAndre Hopkins would have to do that as well, and I don't think DeAndre Hopkins is going to do that. So I, I know that uh, Pac-Man Jones put out there that there was five teams that were interested in DeAndre Hopkins, and the Raiders were one. I've always said that rumors are better when you add the Raiders' name to it. It's just sexier looking, right? Oh, this team, this team, this team, and the Raiders. Oh, okay, hold on. The Raiders are trying to do something. So that's my other thought on that. So I don't think it's a possibility, but I didn't think Devontae Adams would be a Raider either. And, well, here we are. Let's go out to the phone lines one more time as we close out hour number one. Who we got up now? Raider X. Raider X, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? What's up, fellas? Hey, so, you know what? For argument's sake, let's just kind of go back over that little talk over that we don't expect a, a you know a great a, a big amount of winning. Yeah. I think that's how you yeah. kind of said what he said. So, you know, did we really go back on on offense? I mean, I'm going to kind of go back to reflect to what you said, Q, about your grading system. Did we go from an A to a C? I think right now because that was the issue last year when we had those multiple injuries. You know, you'd go from an A premier on offense, which you know going into the season everybody thought that offense of you know we're about an A. Yep. But all of a sudden, somebody gets hurt, and you're looking at C's or D's. Yeah. And I just don't see that. I see right now with these core players coming in, especially, you know, you're going in there and getting, you know, uh, uh, that, that cap from uh, the Patriots going in there, and then also picking the, these, these multiple tight ends. You're not dropping there because now, rather than going following all the way to a D, you're falling, you know, falling to a, a low B at possibly, but the consistency, the cohesiveness of that teamwork that they're going to build you're going to have more continued, you know, play, equal play. So, you know, some of those games that we lost, but barely, I think we're, we have a, a, a good shot. And then right now, again, I think somebody can argue the same thing on defense. I mean, really, what players did you lose on defense that weren't really, you know, primarily uh, injured or frequently right. injured? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot more consistency there. The explosiveness? No. But we're six months away from the season. Right. Six months. I yep. mean, come on. You got the draft. Then you got people that are going to sit there and go through some contracts. I mean, there's a lot of turnover, a lot of things you can pick up. And there's still, like you said, there's still some home runs that could be hit. You never know. What if all of a sudden, you know, Bryce falls to the Raiders or, or, or CJ Stroud falls to the Raiders? Man, that might even change, you know, Jimmy G. <laughs> right. You know, you never know. Things happen, especially with the Raiders. It's shown that these guys are truly Las Vegas Raiders right now because they are sitting there swashbuckling, coming down and going <laughs> to that crap table and just rolling it. So we never know, bro. I like it. Hey, Raider X, thanks for the call, my man. I hope you have a fantastic weekend. And you're absolutely right. 
right? I mean, none of the moves have been super sexy. I've said it multiple times, but it doesn't mean that they can't fill a void. And again, when you have to go to your second string or your next you know, uh, round of attack, the guys that are supposed to come in next, you don't want to have that major drop-off. And that is one thing. You bring up a great point. That is one thing that they're doing. They're making sure that there's uh, good competition and good talent on all levels. 258's the time. We'll actually break down what the Raiders are doing and make a little bit more sense of it next with our next guest with Ted Wynn from The Athletic as we kick off hour number two of the show. It's Raider Nation Radio 920.